Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to actually give you the end before uh, we start because um, this is probably the most important part <laughs> is, is to lead this up. Uh, so this is going to be the abstract and then I'll, I'll flesh it out. And, um, but if you want to leave after the abstract because you're like, ah, that's not for me, I get it. <laughs> uh, but I am recording this and so it will be available. What we're going to be talking about, actually, is the development um, from Yahweh to Emmanuel. And this is Yahweh's own self-knowledge. Um, again, I'm going to flesh it out, so there'll be a lot of questions that some, some of you have sent me, and I, I intend to hopefully respond to them through this talk. Yahweh is I am. I am being itself. Or you could say I am for you all. You know, there's that sense of uh, the I am in a kind of personified way. And we'll talk about that in a minute. <clears throat> the, then Yahweh uh, starts to learn that there's a new way of being, um, the Sun Logos. And that is, I am with you all. So that is Emmanuel, or yod Hey shin Vohe. And then uh, later we'll see, at least I'm arguing, that the um, Joshua Christos event um, was a, a new kind of way in which there was a breaking in of um, almost a, an order of magnitude, a sub-level, sub-logos level, coming into face-to-face -face with the sub-sub-logos level not as an avatar, but, but literally as the Logos' consciousness itself. Um, and I'm careful to say here that I'm not actually saying Jesus, the entity, was God um, or, or the Logos. Uh, I, I am going to make the case that the entity that incarnated as Jesus for a mission was one ingredient amongst many that allowed for some kind of interlogoic level connection. But with the Jesus event, um, we get it, I am in it with you all. And then later we have the I am within you all. So this is uh, the sublogos's own development, knowing itself, the Yahweh self, is now understanding himself from I am to the I am within you all. And then we move on as development continues to go. I am you all with each other. Or I'm you all, or in Texas, I'm y'all. <laughs> I am you all with each other. So we have a, a kind of... Um, sub-level of Emmanuel. Emmanuel is, I am with you all. And now we have it as, I am you all. I am you all in third density with each other. And then we have, I am you all within each other. So you have this sense of, uh, I, an in, a panentheism. I am in you and you are in me as third-density beings, that we share this divinity uh, in a special kind of way. And then the last one is, 
I am all within each other. I am you all within each other becoming I am. So we have this interconnectedness, this, this panentheism connected and then bonding and all returning together as a corpus uh, to the one infinite creator. Now, that's one thing we're going to get to kind of flesh it out. The other thing I want to make sure I get out at the very beginning is last week I talked about the original thought, which is uh, the creator's impulse to know the self, gnosis the self, but also the original thought continues to be refined and develop as different parts of the creator take the original thought and refine it according to their own free will. And uh, But I, I had said, well, why don't we switch out the word thought and put in cognition? Cognition meaning um, to know the self through lived experience with another. So if you look at the word cognition, that's actually what it means. And what I'm saying here is that <clears throat> the, the, the beauty of the veil, what happened is that we have cognition this original thought. And then when we have the veil of forgetting, we have something new that emerged, and that is recognition, recognizing, recognition, where God, if you will, in the veil, under the veil, learns that it is also God. So there's cognition, and then there's receiving, and a recognition, and then a receiving. And that is that is absolutely gorgeous. It couldn't have happened without the veil. Then the last thing is that we have not just recognition of logos to logos, logos as, as the creator and logos as sub-sub-logos as the creator, but we have sub-sub-logos, so a third density being, with another sub-sub-logos as creator. And it's an into accompaniment, walking with, again, that inter connectedness, uh, panentheism inside each other. Okay, so that's actually the end. Um, and this is the Yahweh's own self-discovery. So what am I saying about Yahweh then? Okay, well, one of the things that there's some key points of the Confederation Yahweh narrative. Relationship creates both sides. So if uh, th this would be one of those things that why we're even talking about this, this is super esoteric. What does it really mean? I think the bottom line is this, relationship is the means through which we create each other. And the creator, we're going to actually see how this works, and it's in the law of one. The creator becomes the created, and the created becomes the creator. So what we're going to, we see a relationship here where the sub-logos, our son, as we talked about last time, is a young Logos, you know, uh, learning about itself. And it's learning about itself vis-a-vis -vis its experiences of the third dense, the second and third densities that evolved on at least four planets. And we're going to actually see how these particular experiences influenced Yahweh's own self-knowledge. Now, what I am saying is... Yahweh, I believe, is the, um, <clears throat> Troy says, cognition tends to be used as just thinking without feeling. Uh, you are using it differently. Do you think the word cognition, which is a more head kind of experience, uh, 
is the best choice. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it might not be, although I do like etymology and I know that um, I, maybe I'm over listening to a lot of philosophers, but there's, there's a real respect of how words are formed as complexes because they're, they're complexes of concepts. And then uh, to recapture and, and bring back some original meanings so we can see. But you're right. Um, in today's language, it may not be the best. Anyways, <clears throat> I am arguing that Yahweh is the sub-logos. And I believe that, now this is speculation, so you know I'm not saying I'm right. But I believe that Yahweh is the, because Rod talks about Yahweh as the confederation member, a member of the confederation. And the only way, Ra says, you can become a confederation member is if you're, if you have a, a social memory complex. So a social memory complex then is a, um, a, a one organism made up of individuated cells. So we are cells in a, a future social memory complex on earth. Um, and right now it's called the collective unconscious, you know. Now, I think that Yahweh was the actual Logos itself come in uh, face to face or uh, able to interface with other members of the Council of Saturn and other members of the Confederation. And they were angelic. Okay. Uh, angelic in the sense that they've never had incarnational wisdom or knowledge. So you could almost think of as um, uh, Yahweh being the fullness of the sun logos, the sub logos in personified form so it can interact. So Yahweh can interact with different members of the confederation. And the confederation, of course, are <clears throat> different logoi from different sub-logoi from different densities. So you have the third density, the fourth density, the fifth density, and the sixth density inside the confederation. Uh, and the Council of Saturn also um, are very, very high beings. Rot says that they're even higher and probably coming from the next octave, at least some of them. So what we have here is the confederation plus the Council of Saturn uh, are the uh, intelligent, I'm sorry, I've got these little kittens here and they're the cutest things in the world, but they're <laughs> really excited. I'm, I guess I'm talking. Um, they represent the incarnated intelligence and their job is to garden the, the sub-logos' own crops of consciousness. Okay? So, <clears throat> to know Gnosis, the self, requires relationship with another. So think of it this way, white light cannot know itself. And um, anyways, I, I, I also thought an interesting word was concern. The reason why I even put concern down as something to look at is because uh, there's a couple of times in the Law of One when Ra talks about there was some concern. They became concerned. Uh, and... The word concern in English has this meaning of there's a big problem, you know, we're really worried. But it actually comes from this idea of discerning together and sifting through and trying to find the, the, the um, truth. <laughs> 
So I just thought that was interesting. Okay. Cognition and recognition. The original thought, original cognition, discerning together. Without the veil of forgetting, we have this idea of like the logos is like, I cognize you. And the third density logos saying, I know. <laughs> there, there, there's, there's no like, I recognize you back. It's like, I love you. I know. Just like Leia and Han Solo. <laughs> I love you. I know. So I hope we have some Star Wars nerds here that can appreciate, you know, this kind of thing. If you're a dork like me, probably Barbara is one of those. Um, let's see. Okay. Then we've got <clears throat> the Logos has free will to create, but only within the parameters of wholeness. The only way to express free will with no veil is to do loving service oriented towards wholeness or unity. In other words, um, the Logos doesn't have free will in the sense of choosing right or wrong. There is only wholeness. And uh, however, the, the Logos can choose to refine uh, into greater complexities, into greater expressions of wholeness. But there is, that's, that's the limits of the free will of the Logos. And before the veil, uh, free will and third density without the veil is the will to serve wholeness. And this is not the same kind of free will that emerges later when the veil comes online. So when the veil uh, comes online, we have, uh, instead of a circle that connects, in terms of our imagination, a circle that connects the logos with the third density logos and kind of this relationship, now we have almost like an infinity symbol. We have the logos and it's, I cognize, you know, my original thought and the third density is the logos with the veil arising to the level of saying, and I recognize you in me. So you almost have that kind of uh, development. And that's, that wasn't just for the third density beings to have a more intense experience. The whole purpose of the creator and the the different logoi, the prime movers, as Rao says, to come up with this idea of the veil was because the creator, the creator self needed a more intense and wanted a more intense experience of itself, really wanted to receive that recognition. And I don't mean in a needy way, <laughs> but love that is not consummated in free will yeah, there, there, it's not as intense. There's, there's not much joy or love there, in a sense, that, to the full plenitude in, of the potential there. Um, and, and so if everything is a part of the God's body, and everything knows that it's part of God's body, then everything is grateful to be a part of this unity. But there, it's almost like there is no ability for parts of God to learn that it is God, and then fully give back that love. That can only happen when there's a veil of forgetting in place. So with the veil, and you almost have this kind of way that uh, is an inner penetration. So I just kind of wanted to throw that diagram out, the two Tauruses going and interpenetrating each other. It's that panentheism. Here's another way to look at it. Uh, the Logos laughs with the third dense, the, the Logos laughs with the third density Logos. The third density Logos laughs with the Logos. The Logos likes the third density Logos. The third density Logos likes the Logos. 
The Logos delights in the third density logo. The third density logos delights in the logos. The logos loves the third density logos. And the third density logos loves the logos. See, that wouldn't happen when there's no when there's no veil. This laughter, liking, delighting, loving is the holy relationship, is the whole relationship. And so now we have relationship come to a new way of being because of the veil. And this is all important because Yahweh um, will actually, it'll be the actual development of God, uh, the Logos, as Yahweh will give the Creator a new way to know itself. So we have the development of relationship always moves in stages from I am to an inner abiding between two or more. Uh, relationship, if it's done healthily, you'll notice in your own life, it is I am Doug and you are Troy, say. And then after a certain amount of relating and trusting and vulnerability and sharing and carrying each other's burdens and, and with, with a wholeness, you end up carrying that essence of that person inside you. Um, that your original thought, your original cognition of who you are is you plus that person, <laughs> you know, and we have this all over in our rela different relationships that we aren't just a singularity, but we are a singularity in this um, complex group, you know, this inner penetration of other relationships. Okay, so this is very, very important, and it's one of those things that I've never heard anybody talk about when reading the Law of One. And I have these really small for a reason, so don't, don't worry about reading it. <laughs> the really small type. But I'm going to read it verbatim. And this is the role of the sublogos is to provide the foundation. The role of the sublogos, that's the sun, that's Yahweh, is to provide the energetic foundation. So here's what Ra says in 54.17. The sublogos offers the catalyst at the lower levels of energy. The first triad. So that's the, that's the first chakra, the second chakra, and the third chakra. These have to do with the survival of the physical complex. And then later on, it says, thus the sublogos can offer only a basic skeleton, shall we say, of catalyst. This is very important. It's very, very, very esoteric and nuanced. But what we're saying here is that uh, the purpose of the sublogos and its only gnosis to some degree is the first three chakras, the body, the sense of an identity, that second chakra, and the sense of identity in community, the third chakra. And once that foundation is, is given through the densities you know, this, uh, the, the seven densities, once that is given, then it is up to the third density being to develop the higher chakras. That's the task of the role of the sub-sublogos, to provide incarnational experience back to the sublogos. So now I'm going to read the same passages, but now with the the parts that I um, was really small last time. So again, 54.17. The higher centers gain catalyst from the biases of the mind-body-spirit complex itself. 
in response to all random and directed experiences. Thus, the less developed entity will perceive the catalyst about it in terms of survival of the physical complex with the distortions which are preferred. The more conscious entity, being conscious of the catalytic process, will begin to transform the catalyst offered by the sublogos into catalyst which may act upon the higher energy nexi. The muscles and the flesh having to do with the, shall we say, survival of wisdom, love, compassion, and service are brought about by the action of the mind-body-spirit complex on basic catalyst so as to create a more complex catalyst which may in turn be used to form distortions within these higher energy centers. The more advanced entity, the more tenuous the connection between the sublogos and the perceived catalyst until finally all catalyst is chosen, generated and manufactured by the self for the self. So how I'm understanding that is the sublogos of the sun by virtue of uh, its role in, in, it, in the sub-sub-logoic level is to give the foundation. But the sub-sub-logoic level is not a condensation of the sub-logos. It's actually um, a more complex manifestation. Think of a white wall is a sub-logos and then have intricate, you know, paintings and all that is the sub-sub-logos, all right? All this intricate paintings, beautiful paintings on a white wall gives the white wall a sense of expression of itself. So the sub-logos gives the, is the white wall and then all of the painting and all of that is um, the sub-sub-logos. And what Ra is saying here too is that the more um, advanced in a sub-sub-logos, or us, a third-density mind-body-spirit complex, the more advanced we are, then we will actually begin to program not only our, our life's program for the long length of an incarnation, but actually almost moment by moment, like the adepts would be able to do a moment by moment. And at that level, it's, it's not to create your experience for the sake of creating it. It's going to be create, if you're in the positive polarity, it's going to be intentionally creating it for the sheer purpose of creating more wholeness. You know, um, so whatever catalyst is given to us that we can't control is going to automatically be uh, used almost like in a judo kind of way, used and then given right back out. And that giving that back out will have been processed and then coming out of us, it will be grounded in sheer gratitude and gratefulness for the opportunity to be here, to be able to steward that wholeness. So um, one of the things that is interesting here is the creator to creator. Uh, another term that's often used, or at least used by Tehar de Chardin, maybe some of you have heard of that, is Christification the sense that the creator creates us and then we go and anoint uh, the universe by witnessing and loving it and seeing all of the universe as the creator. That is that Christification, that, uh, and Christ means anointing. So that anointing um, or the recognizing. So some of us who have kids maybe, 
or and you certainly don't have to have kids to have this experience is when you have a baby in your arms and like you have those moments of where you have an eye to eye contact it's never just eye to eye it's always soul to soul you know i i am in you and you are in me and we are one in this moment i recognize you and the baby you feel the baby says and i recognize you back i anoint you uh and the baby you know just by the sheer presence anoints back so that is something that um happens not just in the human level but that is the purpose of incarnated intelligence that is the purpose of going through the god or the logos to go through the incarnational process and going up the densities is so that the entire manifestation can be anointed as supremely sacred to to recognize the original cognition if you will all right so the these are the last few um this is going to be super nerdy this is right on the law of one stuff um and <clears throat> here's what i want to say is we're going to Yahweh is an angelic social memory complex that come directly from the sun's body. They are guardians and a part of the Council of Saturn. The Council of Saturn is in charge of helping Yahweh learn about itself through shepherding the sub-sub-logoi that live within Yahweh's sub-logoic body. Okay, so that's going to be the seven densities. Uh, so the Council of Saturn are the shepherds or the gardeners of Yahweh's body. Um, Yahweh's first crop was Venus, and it went smoothly. There was kinship. Yahweh chose a bias of loving kindness as a result of this relationship. Remember, kindness actually means kinship, the sense of family. Huh? And uh, Ra does say that our particular sublogos, whom I'm saying is my speculation is Yahweh, um, has a bias towards loving kindness. Yahweh's second crop was Maldek, and that was mixed polarity. And this experience was uh, something to con be concerned about, to discern what happened. Yahweh's third crop was Mars. Again, another mixed polarity. There was some improvement. Uh, only the atmosphere was destroyed, you know, not the whole planet. But you, you can almost see in, in this experience from Law of One that Yahweh felt bonded with the Martians. So Yahweh mixed their energies of their social memory complex with the Martians. And other guardians thought that this was an infringement. So what did Yahweh do? Well, Ra talks about Yahweh arranged uh, the mind-body complex of the Martians to have a stronger bias to pick up on Yahweh's bias of loving kindness. So there was a, there was a strengthening, there was a, um, an arranging of genetically the, the mind and the body to be able to um, receive the bias of loving kindness. Because Yahweh would have wanted to have uh, their loving kindness received and recognized by their crop and the Martians that they put into um, third density earth. What occurred? Well, the Council of Saturn said, that's an infringement. Actually, no, no. The Confederation said it was an infringement, but the head of the Confederation is the Council of Saturn. Ross says that there wasn't anything, anything said there. 
And, but the council installed a quarantine. Was this a punishment? I don't think so. I think it was always planned as part of the sublegoic development in its life cycle. I think it was just a natural development that happens to sublogoi. Um, did Ra know this, what I just said? I don't think so. Um, but then I very well could be wrong because you know, who am I? But uh, I, have, uh, I have had other people, including Diana Roy, um, she was a member for our group for a while. She also believed that the uh, quarantine was always going to happen. And this was the means through which it did. Okay. Uh, did the Council of Saturn know uh, that the quarantine was going to be placed? Yes, I do think so. And I think what happened was, is that Yahweh and the law, with the law of responsibility, they, the law of responsibility is the law, it's a cosmic law that says when you start to get entangled with someone and you give them a shortcut on how to get through the spiritual stuff faster, then you as the giver of that have a particular karmic twist now because it is out in the open and if Though the person that you give it to doesn't do with what you gave them with how you thought it would should be, then there's going to be a karmic entanglement. All right, that is not a problem. That is not a problem because it's through the karmic entanglements the bonding actually increases, and there's a reason for this bonding. All right, um. Yahweh and the law of responsibility creates the beginning of a type of personal relationship, setting the ground for the monotheism, the monotheistic thought form. Now, what I want to say is that monotheism isn't a better thing than religions or spiritualities that do not have monotheism. It's not. Um, but it is, a, it is a particular novel way for... Uh, that which is an order of magnitude greater, so the sublogos, and the sub-sublogos, that monotheism thought form is the avenue through which a relationship can form. And that's, that's new. Um, I'm not saying it's better, but it's a new kind of relating, not for the sake of the third density being, however. <laughs> I believe that this monotheism thought form was actually for the sake of Yahweh's own development in coordinates with the development of the third density being. So you can almost see the sub-sub-logoi and the sub-logoi are growing together, this bond. They're marching together. They're creating each other through this relationship. Um, so Ra then visits the skies 18,000 years ago, and the uh, Egyptians are not ready because they weren't seeking unity. I'm going to stop here. Um, there's several more slides, but I just want to double check and uh, we can, if there's any questions or thoughts or um, kind of how are y'all sitting with this? What, what would you guys, yeah, what would, where are y'all at with this? I'm I'm good with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm following along. I enjoy the previous slides, kind of going over the total concept of Yahweh, and yeah, I'm, I'm 
hoping to see what the last slide is, but I do have a couple questions on the like genetic. Part. Yeah, and we're gonna I'll get to those because I know you yeah. had sent me those questions. Anybody else? Like, what, how how's this hitting, or what are you thinking? Maybe um, slightly slightly different understanding of Yahweh and the whole the whole situation, especially with the quarantine. So it is definitely interesting to see. Um, a different perspective, a different side. So I'm definitely appreciating that. Yeah, it's it's different. Um, I'm tr I'm trying to approach it from the development of at the level of the logos, not the development within the octave, our octave. Since Ross says there aren't any mistakes, then I'm trying to see it as not a mistake, as but actually as part of mimicking our own human journey of when things get a little difficult, um, we have we learn from that and that's actually part of our evolution. So I'm applying that at the, at the, uh, higher level, if you will. Peter, did you have something you wanted to share? Or? Yeah. Would this apply to all, to all, uh, cultures or all planets even that ha have life? How universal is this? Well, what I, this is my speculation. Cause Ra says, now this is only if we, you know, take Ra's, words as being uh true and right but ross says for example that the um th that we are operating under that most articulated understanding of archetypes so there's 22 archetypes of consciousness and that that creates for an incredibly rich experience but ross says that there are some logoi even now th there's going to be third density experiences inside our galaxy that are only operating from nine or 12 or 15. So it, it, it's not better or worse. It's just um, different to different experience. And th their experience of third density would be totally different. What I'm saying is that um, our particular rim, because Ross says that when something is discovered new, like the experiment of the veil, the pr progress goes from the center outward. So at the very center, there was no veil of third density experience. And then over millions of years, as things develop outward, there, there's a ring, you know, a certain circumference that had the veil installed. And then from there, um, it gets articulated more and more as in like a spiral fashion going outward, outward, and outward. So somewhere around our vicinity or in the circumference would be where the 22 archetypes are. And then what I'm saying is, and I'm speculating, of course, that um, the fact that the Logos will actually interface face-to-face -face inside third density is a new kind of way that the Logos will learn about itself that didn't exist before. So I am making the claim that the Jesus Christ event in the sense of uh, the fullness of the Logos coming face to face with itself in third density um, might be a new kind of archetypal self-knowing that happens in this particular circumference of the galaxy as, a, as an, ex a, an experiment that is furthering and refining the original thought. It's my speculation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think... I think as consciousness evolves, from the perspective of the uh, 
of self-awareness, everything's an experiment. Yeah. But the way we discover things is um, always going to be in some kind of uh, relationality. Um, it's even, even when, we're, we're, what's that? Can, can, I can't hear you. Are you there? Yeah, you can't hear me? No? Uh, now I can. You're blocked for a minute. Okay, sorry. Um, I was just saying that the uh, re- relationality, oh man, uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you, yeah. Okay, sorry. I was just yeah. saying that um, experiments are always done in some kind of relationship, though. Right. Right. Obviously, you need to have uh, complexity to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, um, I will continue then. Okay, so Yahweh mixed their energies. Oh, wait, here we go. Um, Ra comes in the flesh to teach. This is, uh, this is the next on, on the uh, timeline and caused a big ruckus, but further strengthened the monotheism thought form. Okay, so it's still existing inside um, time, space, and, and the collective unconscious, uh, but hasn't yet further uh, moved into, at this particular stage, into a kind of um, space-time manifestation. Then after that, Ra builds the pyramids. And Yahweh, this is my belief, I, I believe that the Ra coming to the flesh and causing a ruckus and you know entanglement there, Ra says that we gave seven words and you know 30 different interpretations happened and they didn't accept us as brothers and sisters. They kind of saw us as gods and it caused all kinds of problems. <laughs> But what I think is, is uh, my speculation is that the humans, the Egyptians, um, could see this face-to-face encounter with somebody obviously that wasn't them from a higher density, really. And that furthered this notion, this monotheistic notion, whether they worshipped Ra as God might have been. Um, I think Ra was saying, like, we're not God, we're not the one infinite creator, we, we are you, we are all united, the one infinite creator. But um, nevertheless, it creates this, this uh, thought form of an I-thou relationship. And I think because it started to open up in the time-space astral realm, this, this Emmanuel thought form, Yahweh then becomes Emmanuel. Uh, Ra says that uh, Yahweh no longer called themselves Yahweh, but rather they didn't have a name. Um, and later we see their name is yod he shin Vohe, which means Emmanuel, I am with you. So what we see here is that this actually shows Yahweh's development. It, and, and Yahweh can step in and occupy that energetics of monotheism. So what I'm calling the Yahweh Emmanuel came in body form in order to impregnate some third-density humans, so that a new breed could be a little smarter and thus learn the law of one quickly, so they could become teachers of the rest of, of Earth humanity. Now, remember, uh, Yahweh 
is uh, only has in their concept they don't have incarnational knowledge they don't know what it's like to be under the veil of forgetting and they only know how wholeness goes and the only way that wholeness is complexified is that you create stronger and stronger and stronger things and we also know from Ra that Yahweh only works in giving the sub-sub-logos level, the, th- the first three chakras, the power, the identity, and the capacity to live in community. Like that's, that's the foundation. So that's the only thing that Yahweh can understand as to help. <laughs> so they come in here, let's impregnate the third density uh, people. And then so they can, the new breed can come in that not to create elitism, that wasn't Yahweh's uh, desire, but rather so that um, a smarter, stronger breed of human would actually become teachers for the rest of Earth's humanity. This, is, um, this was the desire of Yahweh. But instead it created elitism. Okay, why? Because... <clears throat> uh, Yahweh Emmanuel is incapable of knowing what it is like to have incarnated knowledge. So Yahweh only knows stronger, smarter, greater. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yahweh only knows the first three chakras is stronger, smarter, and greater servants of all. But instead, what they got is the thought forms of stronger, smarter, and masters of all. That's what ended up happening when they incarnated um, impregnated and the beings grew up. Um, then uh, Akhenaten happened. And so this was the Akhenaten and the sub logos, which is Yahweh Emmanuel, began to have a relationship. Um, the Egyptians at that time. Oh, shit. Did I lose everybody? I can see you and hear you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Um, I, I, I literally don't see anybody, so I thought I was talking to myself. Okay. Uh, the Egyptians saw the disc as a symbol of unity. Okay. Unity as a concept is pronounced Ra. And so that is why the, the, the Ra group could come in. Um, it signified that they understood and were seeking at the level of unity. And um, I looked it up. Uh, Akhenaten is actually considered the first monotheist. Because Akhenaten didn't see the symbol, the sun as a symbol of unity. Akhenaten saw the sun as the body of, of the one infinite creator. Um, and, and, and kind of tried to force uh, everybody to believe that, and that, that was a problem. Uh, not very wise. He almost tried to, to redo what Yahweh did, is to build him stronger, smarter, you know? So Akhenaten came in as a wanderer and just like, this is what you guys are going to have to do, and that didn't work. Anyways, Yahweh Emmanuel came again to mate with the hope of raising up yet stronger beings, these were the Anaks, these beings began to call for service, for negative service in learning 
the laws of service. Rather, these beings began to call for negative aid in their pursuit of learning the laws of service. So it backfired again, and instead these Anak, um, they were bigger and stronger, and every third density being inside feels the desire to use their free will in some kind of service. That's just an instinct that we can't say no to because we are the one infinite creator stewarding the wholeness. And, uh, but the negative polarity would be, how can I use this service and, and uh, dominate others? And this gave Orion the capacity to come in because there was a calling. And moreover, they could come in and swoop in and actually co-opt the name Yahweh. So Yahweh, the confederation Yahweh, had become Yahweh Emmanuel. And what I'm saying is that Orion came in and created a new thought form that the humans didn't know. And that new thought form was Orion Yahweh, kind of a combination there. Um, and they... they this allowed for the Orion Yahweh to come in and they could exacerbate the elitism thought forms, which had by then been there for thousands of years. And I would argue that Orion Yahweh means, quote, I am your master. <laughs> you know, I am your master as opposed to I am with you. Um, Emmanuel meaning I am with you. And I believe that Orion Yahweh would be something energetically as I am your master. Okay. Now, uh, what happened? Well, there was a big um, diaspora, and Ra talks about this, and I'm going to read this verbatim. Could you tell me why the Orion group had to leave after I believe figures to be 600, a 600-year 600 period? Why did they have to vacate? And Ra says, well, I'm Ra. Although the impression that they had given to those who called themselves, who called them, was that these entities were an elite group, that which you know as diaspora occurred, causing much dispersion of these people, so that they became a humbler and more honorable breed, less bellicose and more aware of the loving kindness of the one infinite creator. Because remember, I I'm, I'm saying Yahweh at the very beginning, before they incarnated, before the Martians incarnated here 75,000 years ago, Yahweh mixed the human souls, or the Martian souls, in their own sort of sub-logos, the sun energetics, to give them the capacity to receive the loving kindness. And so the diaspora allowed for um, these Martian souls to then become aware of the loving kindness of the one infinite creator. The creation about them tended towards being somewhat bellicose, somewhat oriented towards the enslavement of others, but they themselves, the target of the Orion group, by means of their genetic superiority, became what you may call the underdogs, thereby letting the feelings of gratitude for their neighbors, their family, and their one creator begin to heal the feelings of elitism, which led to the distortions of power over others, which had caused their own bellicosity. So we, we see a, um, a way that the Martians learned how to access their fourth, their fourth chakra. And Orion, Yahweh, had to leave because there was not enough call for them to stay. But 
the mixed polarity was full in swing, was definitely there. The mixed polarity, uh, some uh, moving towards the negative and some moving towards the positive. So the Orion Yahweh has clearly left their mark embedded inside um, the culture and spirituality of the Martians, of the Martian souls. Yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> at this point, Yahweh Emmanuel desire, desires to do Emmanuel's nature. That is loving kindness expressed as, I am with you and I yearn for relationship to be re recognized. Now, uh, this is how this, these last two points, and that's the end of the slides. The last two points is, here's what I think is the, uh, the way that the sub logos could fully come in. If, if you look at all the different, um, elements that went in there, we have the energetic bellicosity logjam of the human consciousness. We have monotheism thought form. We have the trajectory of the Emmanuel identity. In other words, uh, Yahweh's own identity developing from I am to I am with you. All that was a trajectory. It's, it caused an inertia that's moving forward. Plus the cultural calling for an anointer or Christ, because that was embedded within the culture, uh, waiting for the Messiah. And Messiah uh, means Christos in Greek. Okay, a Greek, and that simply means anointing, the anointed. Yeah. Plus the confederation endeavors for many, many thousands of years. Plus the Council of Saturn working with, well, this is my speculation, the Council of Saturn working with other councils to, to project, to project manage the Logoi, the Logoi, the other Logoi desire to further experience the Creator's self. So what I'm saying here is that I think that the Council of Saturn probably was a part of a, a group of councils that were all being charged with helping their Logoi develop the creator's sense of the self. Again, in this new emerging, this new development of the creator's self as being a face-to-face -face encounter with itself in the veiled third density condition. And then the entity known to us as Jesus, which Ross says was a fourth density wanderer, saying yes to the mission. So you have all those ingredients that come together to create the karmic capacity for a sub-logoic level of beingness to interpenetrate in all its completeness into and embedded in the sub-sub-logoic veiled energetic condition. I think that was a new development um, for the sake of the development of the creator. It wasn't to just save humanity. Um, I don't think humanity needs to be saved in the sense of we have to change God's mind. I think that all of the conditions had to be just so to allow karmically, to allow for this opening to come in because um, God plays by God's own rules, you know, and and so I think this furthered the development of the Legoic archetypal mind. I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, we're at 22 right now. Does that mean they're going to be 23? I don't know. 
and I don't even know what to call this new archetype, but something along the lines of uh, Paschal mystery or the, the, the mystery of interconnection. I'm not sure how, how it's going to be called, but anyways, um, it also furthered the Jesus, the Joshua Christ event furthered Yahweh Emmanuel's self-knowledge, the development of that particular sub-logos life cycle. I think, number four, I think the Jesus Christ event installed a forgiveness principle embedded inside the human collective. Um, this sense of the universal forgiveness, this universal reconciling to reconnect. Um, and that, of course, Ross says that the only way to get through the logjam of bellicosity is through uh, forgiveness. You know, it's the only thing. So it makes sense that the Jesus Christ event benefited humanity by installing a forgiveness principle uh, right inside our collective unconscious. And number five, I think that the Jesus Christ event creates an efficient pathway, not the only pathway, but an efficient pathway to gnosis of self as creator through relationship. In other words, um, one one can pray and meditate and do white magic and whatnot, and, and one can learn how to, you know, open up the different chakras and so on and so forth. That would be a pathway, you know, med- meditation, but it, it is entirely a different kind of pathway when instead of moving up the chakras, it's actually moving out and connecting in relationality, uh, getting a sense of the interabiding nature of all of creation and then um to have a relationship one-on-one relationship with the logos and then as a people with the logos and the logos with the people each you know the creator as the people and the creator as the logos creating each other and developing this this relationship this thought this um group soul that is an incredibly powerful way to learn through relationality um, the gnosis of self as the creator. 